Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. I want to welcome to the podcast, longtime basketball coach and author of several books, 24 to be exact. I guess that's more than several, but several books, including his latest, Fake Fundamentals, Volume 3, Brian McCormick. Coach, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you reaching out again um, and getting another chance to talk to you. Yeah, great. Um, I think kind of like a relationship that's being built over the internet, thanks to the internet, and and had the opportunity to have Coach McCormick speak at one of our sessions that we had about a year ago at one of our clinics, and I'll be sure to link that below as well. Can you kind of maybe for people that aren't familiar with you, kind of give them a rundown of your basketball and your academic backgrounds? I think those would both kind of like set the table for what we want to talk about today. You know, I mean, over the years, I've coached a lot of places and a lot of levels. You know, that I get asked a lot is, you know, like, what about your background or experience, you know, kind of made you think differently, I guess. And I go back to, you know, kind of how I started in coaching, um, which was, you know, between high school and college, you know, I went overseas and I was an exchange student for a year. Um, and so I was playing on the team in my town, you know, just like a second division team. And uh, it was basically just an under 20 team. And then um, one of the teams in our club didn't have a coach. And so I, they kind of like asked me, made me coach it. And so I ended up coaching this team that was uh, under 15 boys you know, nobody's first language was English, but most of them, their first language wasn't Swedish either um, because this was uh, more or less in the midst of or aftermath of uh, the Balkan War. And so most of our players had been recent uh, refugees from, you know, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia. Um, and then we had a couple from Syria, Iran, and Iraq. And so, you know, most of the coaching was... Uh, you know, there's one or two players who could speak some English and then they would translate it to Swedish. And then sometimes the Swedish would then get translated again, um, you know, into a native language. And so it really, you know, kind of from the beginning, you know, put an emphasis on different ways to communicate and being able to have patience with players, you know, because I knew it wasn't necessarily that they were, you know, not understanding, you know, the basketball side of things. But, you know, there's just a huge language you know, barrier, um, you know, and also made, you know, demonstrations and stuff like that even more important. And also uh, using kind of a, a simple approach to coaching, you know, there was no sense trying to create an elaborate drill, you know, with four or five different parts where you had to go from here to here to here to here, because that was all going to get lost in translation. And we were going to have no way that we were going to, you know, figure that out. And again, you know, I mean, it was supposed to be an under 15 team. You know, I think we started with maybe 10 players. And by the end, we had like 20 to 25 players coming to practices, many of whom were not under 15s, but they were like the older brother, you know, of a player. But it was, uh, you know, this was kind of the environment where they felt comfortable playing, even though they couldn't play in the games. You know, we didn't 
play that many games, but uh, it was just, you know, I guess a better environment, you know, and it was, and it was a more fun environment than a typical kind of, you know, normal practice. So I'm most notably, I guess I was the head coach at a junior college, you know, in Florida fairly recently um, until before COVID when the school shut down sports. And then, you know, like last season, I coached um, in Estonia, coaching men's, well, boys under 16 and 18s and men's um, uh, first division. So in, in Estonia, the professional league is the Estonian Latvian League um, combined. And so then the first division in Estonia is the league right below that, um, which is a more or less semi-pro league. Um, you know, for us, it was uh, mostly our younger players, kind of 18, 17 through I think 21 might have been our oldest player. Some of the teams had professional players. You know, educationally, to my undergrad at UCLA, studied literature, uh, which is part of why I write books. And then I uh, did my PhD at the University of Utah uh, in technically, I guess, sports pedagogy. Wrote my dissertation around lateral movement um, and basketball defense. Uh, which is why I have a special affinity for the step slide and closeouts. So I spent, you know, three years there, you know, studying. That's where kind of where I had gotten into motor learning a little bit before that, but that's kind of where I got into motor learning, studied a little bit, you know, kind of was able to ask questions of experts and, you know, do a little bit of research. I wouldn't say my research or my studies were focused on motor learning, although that's what people tend to ascribe to me. A lot of experience with learning and teaching, you mentioned the pedagogy component of it, but then you have also the other things that you just mentioned and in relationship to the book with the fake fundamentals, can you talk about kind of define what that is and then maybe even explain how that is detrimental to the whole learning process development of the players? Sure. So fake fundamentals is basically something, you know, a drill or instruction, or even a skill that looks really important. It looks very fundamental. It looks, uh, dare I say, game-like, but in reality, it's not achieving the desired goal. So, you know, the one that I always use as the throwaway is the three-man weave, right? So it's not to say that the three-man weave is wrong in all situations and all circumstances and should never, ever, ever be used, right? It's more to say when I was, an assistant coach, um, and even in some, you know, clinics or kind of, uh, you know, coaching consulting type situations that I've been in, you know, a coach will say, all right, yesterday we, uh, you know, we had 20 turnovers in our games. We're just not good at passing the ball. We need to start practice. You know, let's focus on practice or passing today in practice. All right, let's do the three man weave. So, okay. But, why did you make those mistakes during the game? What, what was the cause of your turnovers in the game? Was it the inability to just complete a pass to another player? No. Well, you know, really, you know, we were trying to force the ball into, you know, our post player and our post player, you know, didn't do a good job holding off, you know, his, his defender or, you know, we threw a bounce pass when he was calling for it high and so the ball rolled out of bounds or, you know, whatever it is. Okay, well, how is the three-man weave? going to fix that problem right you know or you know we were coming off dribble penetration and we didn't see the help defensive player rotating out to get into the passing lane again how's the three-man weave going to address that passing error 
And so typically what the, when, it, when it's a drill, it typically tends to be a general drill that is used um, and handed down from generation to generation without much thought because, well, you know, I did it as a player. I turned out pretty good. So, of course, it's a good drill. You know, but when you actually think about well, what are you trying to achieve in this drill, it doesn't really meet the objectives. You know, and so, you know, you can you can say, okay, well, I want to improve passing. Three man weave incorporates some passes, therefore it's a passing drill. I mean, you can say that. It's just to me, it's not going to improve passing. You know, if if you want to use it as a conditioning drill, you know, or as a warm up drill, you know, something like that, it's not wrong. Um, I think there's better ways that you can warm up. I think there's better ways that you can condition, you know, but if you think that putting a ball into a three-man weave drill and doing X number of layups in, you know, one minute or two minutes or three minutes gets your players to run harder than if you just had them running or doing something else, then that's fine. You know, your players, it's, that's great. But to me, it's too often it's, it's viewed as, well, we're going to improve passing. So we're going to do a three-man weave drill. And then tomorrow in our game, when we commit 20 turnovers again, we're like, we practiced passing yesterday. How are we still committing these turnovers? And it's like, well, the drill that we did had nothing to do with the turnovers that we're committing during the games, you know? And so, you know, whether it's the drills or whether it's the, you know, instructions, you know, or the skills even, that's kind of the basic ideas. There are things that are so ubiquitous that, that nobody questions you know, that everybody does, everybody accepts, they're part of basketball. If you go to a practice, you're probably going to see it, you know, at almost any kind of practice. And so nobody really thinks about, well, should I even be doing this drill or should I even be teaching the skill in this way? And so that's kind of where the fake fundamentals came from is, is yes, it, it practices a skill that is used in the game of basketball. Yes, there's probably a reason why you could argue that it is appropriate in a certain situation at a certain time. But in general, it's used far too often and with far too little thought as to why we're using it. And it just becomes kind of a throwaway or, you know, kind of a time waster at the beginning of practice because it doesn't really achieve a goal. How does the game context or the lack thereof impact this idea of, or this aspect of fake fundamentals? Well, I, would, I mean, that's part of it. Most of the most of the drills, you know, I would say are are drills that are outside of the game context. So, you know, for the most part, if you want to have, when we think about practice, the goal behind practice is that we want to improve performance, right? We want to improve game performance. We don't practice just to practice, and that's why sometimes I'll say, you know, if you're coaching really young players and the goal is fun, you know, and you think that this, you know, like, you know. Uh, dribbling through cones was one of the ones in fake fundamentals three. If you think dribbling through cones is going to increase the fun of, you know, seven year olds that are playing basketball, then by all means go for it. Like don't not do cone dribbling just because I said that it was a fake fundamental. If it's going to increase the fun that your seven and eight year olds are having. But generally speaking, once we get kind of beyond the, the beginner level, you know, we're mostly talking about uh, practice, the purpose of practice is to transfer to improve game performance, you know, and to have transfer from one context to the next. So a practice to a game, we need the practice context to be as close to the game context as possible. So typically these drills are so general that they've removed all context. So again, three man weave, you know, often not only is it takes away the defense, you know, which takes away the context, 
you never, nobody teaches a fast break in that manner. You know, you might teach the first pass and then you get to the outside, but nobody's, you know, passing and then running all the way around in a, you know, figure eight. And oftentimes players are traveling in the drill too. So you're, you're not only just doing something that's purposeless, but you're actually actively practicing bad habits, you know? So if we want something to transfer to game performance or to, or have improvements in practice also improve game performance, the context needs to be similar. And so one of the problems that we see with a lot of the fake fundamentals is what does similar mean, right? And so in a three-man weave, let's say, well, we're practicing passing. You know, that's similar to passing in a game. You know, it's the same two-hand chest pass that we want, but but it's not similar because there's no game context. I'm not reading whether or not my teammate is open. Uh, you know, I have a predetermined person that I'm throwing the pass to every time. That person knows who's receiving the pass every time, so they don't have to make a decision. They're not deciding whether they should cut back door or cut, you know, to the wing. They're not deciding. They don't have to fight to get open. You know, they don't have to decide, are they far enough away from a help defender that they're already open, or do they need to cut to get themselves open? You know, the passer doesn't have to read, okay, well, I, in this situation, I need to throw it to the outside hand. In this situation, I need to throw it to the inside hand because that's where the defensive player is. All these things that, that you know, contribute to, you know, passing success during games or passing turnovers during games. And so when we remove all the um, constraints of the game, what we're left with, again, is, is more or less a fake fundamental. And it's something that is going to have very minimal to no transfer to game performance. You can get really, really, really good at the three-man weave. But that does not mean that when you penetrate into the middle and you've got two players come, you know, rotate towards you and you've got to decide which player is open, how can I get that bounce pass, you know, that three-man weave isn't going to improve your passing or the reading of the situation in that situation in the game. And so there's very minimal to no transfer in, in terms of uh, improved performance. Um, and so that's, that's similar throughout, you know, the, the fake fundamentals is basically they're, they're just kind of general drills that, that we use kind of as fillers in practice. They lack the meaning, they lack the context, and consequently they lack the transfer to improve performance. Let me ask this first, and then I'll, after you give me the answer, I'll have a follow-up. That way you can provide some examples for it. So don't feel like you need to give examples right away. But there may be coaches who are listening to this, and they're thinking to themselves, oh, man, he got rid of my cones. He got rid of my three-man weave. He got rid of, and the list could go on. And they're thinking, oh, no, now I need to go out and find a whole bunch of new drills. Is that really the solution? No. So I got this email this week asking, do you have a drill book for all the drills that you put in your, your books? And I was like, no, I, I don't really believe in drills. Drills solve the problem. So if you really want to be an expert coach, you want to identify the problem first, and then you create your drill around that problem. Right? So I go into practice, you know, or, you know, typically, you know, at most levels you can say, well, I played yesterday. I identified this problem, you know, in my game yesterday. So we played, we're usually a pick and roll team. This is the first team that's really trapped us hard on a pick and roll. We struggled with the trap on the pick and roll, right? Consequently, we had turnovers. 
you know, passing, making that pocket pass to a short roll, and then that short roll catching and throwing opposite, you know, for the three-point shot. You know, we, we couldn't do that in the game yesterday. That's my problem. That's what I want to fix at today's practice. Okay, how can I do that? Instead, we go, oh, well, we played yesterday, had a lot of turnovers. Let's do a three-man week. Well, how's a three-man week going to solve that problem? So, you know, I've, I've identified my problem. Now I just have to create, you know, what's my – What's my drill that's going to solve that problem? Okay, well, first thing, we really struggle with that initial trap. Well, let's make it easy. Let's play two on two, and our defense is going to trap. And really, all we have to do now that all that all the ball handler has to do is complete a pass, and they're going to have a wide open lane, right? Because if two people come and trap me above the three point line, and I can complete the ball to my teammate, my teammate's got nobody guarding him. He's going to go and he's going to score, right? So it's a simple drill. So this is one of the things that I talk about. Um, and I, I differentiate between uh, simple to complex and uh, easy to hard. So to me, a, a drill is somewhere on the spectrum from simple to complex. It doesn't matter who's doing it, right? And so the more decisions that are involved, the more interactions are involved, the more complex it's going to be. So if I'm just dribbling by myself, okay, stationary dribbling, that's a very simple drill. Now, I could dribble, stationary dribble with three basketballs. That becomes very hard, but it's still relatively simple in terms of the game constraints, right? Because I'm not moving. Uh, there's no decisions to be made. It's just a matter of getting the rhythm of three basketballs, right? And so once I can get the rhythm of those three basketballs, you know, now it's not going to be as hard, right? The spectrum from easy to hard, okay, for me is based on uh, the player or the individual. So, you know, what, you know, Steph Curry can do in a game and make look easy is going to be extremely difficult for me to try to do. But we're doing the same thing. And so, you know, Steph Curry coming off and handling a trap and making that pass to Draymond and Draymond kicking to Clay, that's not particularly difficult for them. You know, they're experts. And so, but for me, that would be, you know, extremely difficult, you know, in that situation. But it, in both situations, whether I'm doing it or whether Curry's doing it, it's the same complexity. Too often when we're saying, okay, well, we need to work on passing, we we work on the uh, easy, hard spectrum and not the simple, complex spectrum. So we want to keep as many of the game constraints as possible, but we want to simplify it so that the players can have some success. So instead of saying, okay, well, we struggled in the pick and roll yesterday. Well, okay, I'm going to set up a chair as the screener, and you're just going to dribble off, and then you're going to just practice making, you know, um, your pocket pass to a coach who's just standing still. Okay, and that's how we're going to practice the pocket pass. Okay, and you're just going to make it every single time, and we're going to put out, you know, a dot on the court. Okay, and we want you to hit that dot every single time you make that pass. Okay. Well, now we've removed all parts of the game, okay, and and taken it, and now we're only looking at making it easy for that player to have success. We're not we're not keeping any of the game constraints. Instead, if we play two on two, okay, again, it should be fairly easy to have success because we're throwing it to an undefended player, and we know that there's no help defense. We've simplified the decision making. We don't the the ball handler doesn't have to read who's the correct player to throw to. Now he only has to decide what's the correct pass, what's the timing of the pass, 
Can I make that pass? Do I have to, you know, fake up to make a bounce pass? Can I make the pocket pass? You know, are the is the post defender that's that's trapping me? Is he shorter? Does he have his hands down so I can throw a hook pass? Is he taller? He's got his hands up, so I gotta throw the pocket. So these are the decisions that I'm working on, right? And if I make the right one, I should have success. So if their hands are up and I throw the pocket pass between them to my teammate, success, he goes in, makes a layup, we score. Okay, I can see that I made the right decision. And so I've simplified it to a point where one, success should be, you know, we should have a reasonable amount of success. And two, if I make a mistake, I should easily be able to identify that mistake, right? So their hands were up and I tried to throw a hook pass, I threw it right into their hands. Okay, that's easy to see what the mistake was. Whereas when I get into a five on five situation, maybe I made the right pass, but I made, you know, in terms of the trap, you know, I made their hands were up, so I made the pocket pass, but maybe I didn't see that the defender had rotated over and was guarding the roller. And really instead I need to throw behind the play instead of trying to throw it to my roller. But that's harder to see with all the rotations going on, right? Um, for for a younger developing player. You know, obviously for Curry, he's gonna notice that mistake right away. Okay. The point being, it, it's not a matter of having a big drill book, like having some drills that you can fall back on. If, you know, I like to have drills, you know, if, if practice isn't going well or the intensity isn't there, I wanna have some drills that I know that I can go, okay, we need some energy in this practice. Let's do this drill because the players like it. It's gonna get them talking, it's gonna get them communicating, it's gonna get the energy up. And now when we come back to work on, you know, whatever, we're gonna have a little bit more energy involved, you know? Um, so I like to have, you know, some drills in the back of my mind for that. You know, there's some drills, you know, that I like to have, you know, competitive shooting drills that we like to use, you know, day before a game type stuff. But in general, most of the drills that I want to use during practice are things that are based on either yesterday's game, you know, or things that, you know, over the course of the last couple of games, I know we need to continue to work on or, okay, well, we started with, you know, uh, let's say five on five transition drill, you know, to get going. And I noticed this mistake. So now we're going to break it down and do three on three focused on, you know, being able to attack and adjust, you know, or uh, improve on the mistakes that we were making in that drill. To me, that's what the high level coaching is, is being able to take the mistakes that we're making and find uh, or devising an activity that's going to help to improve that mistake as opposed to just saying, okay, well, I've got a list of shooting drills. I've got a list of passing drills. I've got a list of defensive drills. So today we're gonna to take drill one from passing, drill one from shooting and drill one from defense practice. All right, let's go break, you know, because what's the focus of those drills? Like it might have not have anything to do with the players that are in front of you, you know, or the situation, the time of the season, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I found that it's more of not just developing skills in isolation, but if I start thinking about how can I create that game, whatever it is, two on two, three on three, four on four, I'm actually developing the skills that I wanted to use in that cone develop, you know, cone dribbling drill or that three man weave but I'm combining them into, into this one game that also allows me to add in that decision-making. I think that's where the piece that we all are saying that we want, but then oftentimes our drills don't reflect that we're actually really including that decision-making. And, you know, just to echo, I don't know if you were at our practice yesterday secretly watching in, but we did the trapping out of a ball screen and then reading that first level off of the short roll 
And so we started with two on two. And then I added a guy in the corner to give that third guy so that there could be a help from that corner. And then we went to four on four and then played at five on five. And I'm coaching college. So, I mean, that's something that we did in probably 15 minutes. Your youth players may not be able to do that, but I don't know how many of them are blitzing ball screens and that kind of thing anyways. But the point is, is that just like, I think that maybe sometimes it creates maybe a little bit more work for coaches when they're thinking they just want to drill because that's easy to do. But then in the long run, that's not going to benefit their team. And I, I got a similar email this week. They wanted they wanted the drill book. And I'm more than happy to give them the game book, but my game book may not be necessarily exactly what fits for your offense or for your defense. So I think it's more of a shift in like how we think about things rather than there's this new teaching that Coach McCormick has that I need to get all of his new games and drills and that kind of thing. And, and that can sometimes be difficult because that takes – it's a process. It, that's taken me years to kind of develop and I'm still you're but I feel like that's almost like the fun of the coaching, too, which is maybe what you came to even coaching that volleyball team. Like there was that challenge of like coming up with something that will provide the game context. Yeah, I've, I've said that before, that the thing that I like about coaching is that it's, you know, problem solving. But yeah, like when I coached that volleyball team, I talked about this with a coach last week, like because I had never played volleyball, I didn't have all these you know drills to do. Right. Like, I didn't know what was appropriate, what was, you know, inappropriate, what was stupid, you know, or would look stupid to an experienced player, experienced coach. And so I just said, okay, well, we need to do this. And I don't know, this makes sense to me. Like, do this. Okay. You know, because they, you know, I only had like one girl who had really played a lot of volleyball before. So I didn't have a lot of, you know, kind of experienced players or players who had been coached before that would go, wait, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? They're like, okay, yeah. You know, and so. I could, I could do whatever I want, you know? And, and so then when I, when I started coaching basketball, I kind of took that same mentality. You know, I had been coached, you know, I'd had lots of coaches. I'd done lots of drills in basketball, you know, but I kind of went into it with a fresh perspective of, I don't have to do all this stuff just because that's what I was taught. Like I can make stuff up, you know, that fits whatever it is that, that I need to accomplish. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. I want to want you to explain the book a little bit can you talk about because there's still maybe coaches like they want to do this but they're they're still just not exactly sure where to start and you've kind of like put them on the path so in the book you've got each of the chapters being the fake fundamentals but then can you talk about how that's set up and especially that last part in each chapter one of the reasons that i originally started writing back when i wrote um crossover uh, the new model for youth basketball development, which I wrote in like 2004. Like one of the reasons why I wrote is, you know, cause I was on internet forums back then and message boards with coaches and going to camps and, you know, working a lot of camps with other coaches. And, 
And we all just complained all the time. Yeah, American players aren't good anymore. We're not developing fundamentals and there's too many games and blah, 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 blah. And everybody just complained and complained and nobody would ever talk about what we should be doing. It was just, oh, we didn't do this or this coach doesn't do this or the system doesn't do this. And so finally I was like, fuck it. I'm going to put, I'm just going to write out my solutions. It doesn't mean that they're right, but I don't want to continue to go down this path of everybody just saying, ah, you know, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. The players aren't good enough. The coaches aren't good enough, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to write what I think should be done at this point in time. And so same kind of thing with the fake fundamentals. You know, I don't want to just write a book that says, ah, three-man weave sucks. Don't ever do three-man weave. Like, because, okay, that's just my opinion. Who the hell am I? Like, you know, why should anybody listen to you, et cetera, et cetera. So instead, you know, I want to, I want to lay out whatever it is that I'm writing about. You know, I want to lay out what I see as the problem with it. You know, why I see that's a problem and then what could be done in its place, you know, which, you know, with uh, some of the drills, usually there's going to be a link, you know, to a video, um, especially in the latest, you know, I try to put some links to videos of, of kind of alternative drills. So, you know, instead of doing the three-man weave with young children, play keep away. You know, how do you play keep away with basketball rules? Well, I've got, you know, half a dozen, you know, different versions of that are basically just keep away, you know? So do you want to do it with even numbers? Do you want to do it with condensed space? Do you want to do it with more space? Do you want to do it, you know, offensively, defensively, you know, however you want to do it, there's different ways. You know, and, you know, I've got videos that show, you know, whether it's two on two, four on four, five on five, seven on five, even numbers, but then one leaving and coming back, et cetera, et cetera. But they're all basically just keep away. We're trying to complete a certain number of passes before the other team can complete that number of passes, you know, and then recently I've started to add in, okay, once we've completed that number of passes, okay, now we have to score to actually win the game, right? So complete seven passes in a row, then you have to score. You can't just win by passing the ball because ultimately in the game, you've got to score. So that's kind of what I try to do, you know, with all the, especially the ones that are the drills is I don't want to just say this is bad, but I want to say this is why I think it's bad. You know, these are the reasons. And then this is what I think can be done in its place. Like if, if you're missing that five minutes of practice that you usually do three-man weave, you know, you start practice with a three-man weave every day. And you're like, oh, crap, what am I going to do for that first five minutes? Okay, well, play keep away. Here are six different keep away games that you can do, you know, so you're not just doing the same thing every single day. Here's why I think playing keep away is better, you know, because even though it does kind of remove the scoring, let's say, and the dribbling, you know, you're still, if you want to focus on passing, you're incorporating the decision-making, finding the open player, scanning the court, you know, the player off the ball moving in to create a passing lane, you know, because if I can't dribble, I can't always create the passing lane myself. You might have to create the passing lane. I might have to use the pivot, you know, practice using a pivot foot, you know, practice different passes, you know. So, okay, I want to throw a chest pass, but there's somebody standing in front of me. Now I can't throw a chest pass. What am I going to do? Okay, if I'm just doing a three-man weave and we're just doing chest passes the whole time, I'm not developing a hook pass or a step-around pass or – you know, an overhead pass or whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, this is why keep away is better, you know, and you can substitute it, you know, two on two, four on four, whatever, volleyball passing, gale passing, you know, if you want to look up some of the, you know, seven on five advantage passing, 
you know, those, some of the drills that are, you know, I have videos on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. It's a great resource. Like I said, I think it just kind of gets you on your way. If you don't already coach this way and give some solutions to things that maybe we've done, like you said, that we've just passed down from. And, and two, like I hope coaches heard you say, it's not that those things are like terrible and you're a dumb coach and you're stupid for doing them. I think a lot of this has to do with like there are better ways for us to do this to prepare our players. And I hope that that's kind of the message that that coaches will get from this. You know, I, I'll give a quick testimonial. Most of what I do and the stuff that I post on social media is directly related to the things that I've learned from Coach McCormick and all the small sided games and the teachings that went along with skill acquisition. Like he was writing about this stuff probably even longer than I think ago, like 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so, you know, whether it's this book or some of the other books I mentioned, he has 23 other books. Um, I'd encourage you to check those out. I'll be sure to link some of the some of the main ones down in the bottom. But there are other resources. And that's what I want you to kind of direct them to. Can you talk to them about where they can connect with you on social and then where they can find some of these other resources? I'm on Twitter um, at Brian McCormick, just my name spelled out, which is what I use the most. Uh, I'm at I'm on Instagram, but I don't really use it, but it's at 180 shooter on Instagram. The number is 180 and then shooter. And that's my website too. 180shooter.com is my website, but Twitter's the easiest place to get to me. All of my books, I believe are on Amazon. Most of my books are also on lulu.com. So I believe it's lulu.com slash spotlight slash my name, Brian McCormick. will take you to, you know, my page on, on Lulu. Those have all the paperbacks which I'm not sure if all of them have made it to Amazon or not. Um, the fake fundamentals books are only in Kindle right now. So they're only available on Amazon, but they're, you know, if you just go into the search bar on Amazon, you know, neither put Brian McCormick basketball or put fake fundamentals, you can find it find it or any of the other books. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I mean, same thing. If you go to YouTube and you put Brian McCormick basketball, you'll get me and stuff and so i have playlists for different things shooting drills and and shooting instruction and uh my saba offense you know examples and a couple others i think i have a, i think i have one for tag too um for dribbling drills you know to replace kind of basic dribbling drills so uh, there's maybe 10 or 12 different playlists but there's i think at this point i probably have like 600 videos um up on youtube so um, that's another resource. And, and most of the drills um, that I talk about in any of the books really, well, any of the books written after like uh, 2015 have links to YouTube videos. Yeah, that's good. I'll be sure to try to link as many of those as possible, but just search on Google Brian McCormick and you'll start down the rabbit trail of finding all those that he just mentioned there. That's Coach Brian McCormick. Coach, great stuff. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.